Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Well, last week we, um, we talked about becoming Bethlehem. Becoming Bethlehem. Just as Mary and Joseph couldn't find room in Bethlehem, God has knocked on the doors of our hearts asking if there is room to come in and be birthed in our lives. And if we're not careful, life has a very just way that it starts so small of crowding important things in our lives, including our relationship with Jesus. And so we have to be careful how we are filling our hearts. God's desire is to commune with us to have relationship with us, and for us to become Bethlehem. That was last week. And this week, we're starting in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 13. If you just bear with me, we're reading a larger segment of, of Scripture this morning. And suddenly, there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them in heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus was then presented at the temple, and starting at verse 22. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens up the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two uh, young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this was an up. was a righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. That means the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do uh, for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people for the light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. In reading in Luke uh, 2, 13 through 33 here, I noticed that there were different possibilities of ways for us to express joy an expression of rejoicing. I know we're Minnesotans. We're not very good at this. So let's just look at a few of these. So first there was exclamation by the angels. Glory. There's shouting. There's joy. There's singing. The shepherds are like, what's going on here? There's gift giving. These wise men were coming. We don't know how many there were, but 
there were wise men. The song tells us three, okay? It's not in your Bibles, but that's okay, okay? There was an expression of praise. How many people would say they're, they have a gift of giving gifts? They just love it. It doesn't matter if they have money or not. They want to give gifts, right? Some of you, it's just part of, of who you are. There's curiosity. There's, there's wonder. The question, what's, what's happening? What is God going to do? These people that were searching and looking at this prophecy that's about to be fulfilled, the wonder of it all. There's internal rejoicing. It says that they cherished in their own hearts. See, this is what makes Minnesotans excited. Look at I can rejoice and Oh, man, I just rejoiced so much there internally, you don't even know it. It was like the well was overflowing, but then I pushed it back down. I pushed it down before anything came out, but it was good. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's it. That's it. I, I can relate with that. And then, and then I think of Simeon, this man. Oh, man. This... Oh, can you imagine? So here's this devout man who just loves the Lord and has been going to the synagogue and going to the temple and, and worship. And at some point in his life, and we don't know when it, when it was, at some point the word of God came to him and said, Simeon, I know you've been praying for the Messiah to come, and guess what's going to happen? You will not die until your eyes see this child. You will not die. Now, Mary and Joseph did not come in and say, here's baby Jesus, the Messiah. They're still trying to figure it out. They're just young teenagers, pretty much. And the word of the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, comes upon Simeon, and he prophesies. You want to talk about rejoicing. There was rejoicing happening that day. You, you know that Simeon told everybody that he passed, anybody that would listen and turn an ear to him, he was rejoicing. Thankfulness. Rejoicing in thankfulness. When Pastor Callie and our worship team, they did a great job. You guys are just amazing. It day, Sunday after Sunday, you guys are just incredible. Thank you so much for, I love being a part of, of their prayer and just listening to the hearts that they have as they come here to lead our church and our congregation. It is powerful. It's so powerful. But that last song, all I could say is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is rejoicing in thankfulness. Rejoicing in Ah, the holiness of God, the sovereignty of, of who God is, rejoicing. Today's theme, I don't know if you figured it out, it's rejoice. And I have a personal problem with it. 
man, I'm terrible at rejoicing. You know, what, what, is, it, what is it supposed to look like? You know, it's, I, I got to go to a Vikings game this year. A pastor had some seats, and he, he called, and, and I, I'm, right after service, I, like, ducked out of here so quickly. Man, I didn't cut the sermon short at all. I was tempted. Let me tell you, the evil one was tempting me that day. I almost brought Pastor Callie up just to lead worship one more time, and then I was, no, I didn't do that. But I, I got to go, and you know, it was so easy to cheer and have joy and rejoice, especially when there's, you know, 70,000 other people or whatever it is, and we're, yeah, woo, you know? It's so easy to do when all those people are there. Or my, my child, my, my youngest was playing basketball, and he had so many rebounds. He, he out-rebound everybody and both teams combined. I was like, yes, you know? <laughs> that was easy. I can celebrate with you. It's easy. Yes, that's awesome. But then apart from some of these things, you, you kind of feel weird, right? I mean, I remember the first time I was in, in a church setting and I, I tried to raise my hands in worship. Anybody ever do you remember doing that for the first time? If Maybe if you're like, hey, a straight-up Lutheran or, or something, and you're just like, no, you don't move, you know, you don't clap, you, don't, you just keep it. That's okay. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Internal worship, internal, internal, right? That's okay. All those things are okay. But I, I remember the first time I, I tried to like raise my hand just a little bit and I'm sweating profusely. And I'm 100% I'm sure everybody in the church is looking at me right now. But I'm going to close my eyes because you close your eyes because you mean it. You know what I mean? You, so I'm, I have to mean it. And I'm closing my eyes and I'm kind of doing this thing. And then I put them down right away because I'm convinced everybody saw me. And then now they're probably laughing because I did it wrong. Right? I did it, I did it wrong. Sweating and everything. I just ran out of it, right? It was just, it was really tough. Uh, when I had gone to Evangel University right out of high school, and my sister was there too, and so she is extraordinarily gifted. I've got a, I, I, I grew up as a, as a young child on a traveling um, worship, or like a there were a bunch of hippies singing Christian music, okay? I was in a Greyhound bus and a little child. They're called Bread of Life. Some of you already know this. And so, I mean, I, I have talent in, in the family, and I never really followed it or pursued it, but my sister, I think, felt bad for me, and she's a, like a, a, a very, you know, concert penis, just, just really talented, and, and so she was a part of the concert choir, and so she had me try out, it was like a one-on-one -on -one with the director, and I got on, okay? And only because it was a pity thing, okay? It was just all pity. And so anyway, I'm a part of this concert choir thing, and I'm kind of a clown. And so um, I, I remember one time we had a stop, and it was a, it's like a transient bus station. And so there are hundreds, if not thousands of people all over the place. And so I talk, in, talk one of the girls into uh, making a fool of herself with me. And I said, okay, you go to that side of the bus stop. I'm going to go this side of the bus stop. And then you're going to shout my name. I'm going to shout your name. You can see where this is going, right? And then we, we amp ourselves up, and then we meet in the middle, and it's going to be this glorious, joyous occasion of, of meeting, and it's going to be great. Let's cause a scene. Let's cause a disruption. How many of you would ever do that? you have some people in here? Yeah, I know you would, Isaac. Of course you would. Thank you. Now I know who I can have some fun with. All right. And so we did this. 
in, in my mind, you know how you kind of have your cartoon bubble? I had my cartoon bubble going. It was all perfect, you know? And it was like, it was movie-esque. And I was making it happen, and we're screaming, and blah, I don't remember her name. And we're blah, blah, blah. And we meet in the middle, and we do this thing, and then we think we're funny, right? And then, and then, I look over to my right, and there is an actual reunion taking place. I felt terrible. It was awful. And all I wanted to do was now slump over. But I was so proud of myself because I caused a disruption, you know? It was just fun to do. A bunch of people I'd never see again. And there was no problem for these people to rejoice and to scream in celebration and rejoice because there was a reunion taking place. And I, I think of what the Bible talks about when it comes to a reunion in the prodigal son. You know, the, the prodigal son is this son who said, I want all my money now, Dad. I want everything, everything that's owed to me. And in this situation, the father obliges and gives the prodigal son all the wealth between him and his other son that he <clears throat> has right to, and he leaves. And for most of us here, we probably know the story, but for, for those who may not, he takes his money into the big city and he all of a sudden has all these friends until the money's gone. And as life had it, Things got pretty dark pretty quickly, and he ends up in the slop with the pigs, just trying to, he's looking at the food of the pigs, saying, this is, this is what I got. This is my life now. Everybody, of course, abandoned him. And then he realizes, it says that, the Bible says that he came to his senses, and as he comes to his senses, he realizes that even the servants in his father's home live better than this. And so he says, I'm going to do that. And so you know that took a lot of humility for him. And he went home. And it says before he even got there, his father had always still been waiting and looking for him. And we know this as the parable because this is God the Father. And God the Father is looking for his kids to come back home. And it's more than, it's more than an internal, it is a rejoicing with everybody. And in this, we see how God likes to celebrate. And it's bring the best out, bring the fatted calf, everybody come, because what was once lost has now been found. And, and when you look at the parables, the lost coin, right? There, there are all these lost in that one thing when we, we found the one. This is how we rejoice. We rejoice together. What is our church value? When somebody comes to the Lord, when somebody repents, we celebrate. It says that all of heaven celebrates when one 
Well, that's 11. One. One comes. I, I find it really interesting. And um, when, when we were painting and doing some stuff in there, we, we had the funeral on of um, President 41, um, George Herbert Walker Bush. And what I found fascinating was what, what the news coverage decides to really go with. And how many of you noticed how much emphasis that was put on President uh, George W. Bush that he cried and what he cried over? Why is that? Why? Is our culture so tense and tight that we, we can't allow the ability to lose control, maybe? Is that our fear? Think about it for a second. What, what's, what's, your, what's your fear about crying? What, what's your, what's your what, 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 the control, right? We have to have control. We can't look out of control at any point. Otherwise, what? We'll be, I don't know, what, reckless? I don't know. Sad? perhaps? Can we not rejoice? And the Bible says to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those who mourn. Can't we express ourselves in a way besides just being tight? I, I, think, of, I think of it kind of like slipping on ice. <laughs> I do two things when I slip on ice. Two things. I don't know. Maybe you do more, but I, I'm down to two. And uh, for the point of this illustration, I slipped on ice just a couple days ago, so I can, I'm, I'm refreshed with it. So I was in the back parking lot, and it was pretty dark back there, and I was pretty much alone, except we had a, a janitor here, so their minivan was in the back. And I was standing on a large six-by-about-two box, and my hands were cold, and I just thought I could kick, kick the corners, because I had to break it down, right? You can see where this is going. I'm kick in, I'm like, okay, I can, you know, handle the balancing, I'm, you know, and I'm kicking. Well, you know what happened. That, that box turned into a sled, and I'm, I'm laying, I'm, I'm on my back. I'm, I'm there. And what do I do? Number one, what do you do? Who saw this happen? <laughs> and so I look, and the janitor's still in the church, I'm like, thank goodness. And then I look, and the lights are on all those townhomes back there. I'm like, oh, you know you know there's somebody with binoculars back there. You know, there's that, you know there's always that one, you know. One of you, I know, you're one of them. And I'm just laying there. And then what do you do? You start seeing, okay, what's broken? And so this is number two, step two. First step, you look around. Step two, you start feeling. And so I'm, I'm feeling, and I'm just, then I'm self-talking about how smooth I was, and then the thought that my dad used to say, smooth, move X lax. I'm like, yeah, you know, and I heard that. We might need to cut that from the. <laughs> the feeling of losing control scares us, doesn't it? It scares us. But there are times when we don't care. There are times when the excitement is so great, it just doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul says, and again I say it, rejoice. It, it's not a question, it's a command. It's a command. Hey, I don't think you heard me the first time. I've, I've asked you to rejoice, so I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. And we go, oh, okay. See, it's not just an us problem. So I have uh, just two things I want to mention here. Number one, the enemy of excitement, the enemy of exclamation, the any enemy of joyfulness or rejoicing is familiarity. The enemy is familiarity. The more familiar, the less exciting something becomes unless we are able to cultivate it. I mean, think of relationships, the excitement, the excitement, and then day after day, you see the same person. All of a sudden, if you're not cultivating, that excitement is not the same. You think of some clothes or some shoes. You're so excited. Oh, I saved, I saved, and then... You know, time goes on. You think of a kid. Oh, my goodness, a kid. And you look at the toy. Oh, I want it. I want it. And you know how that goes. Parents, let me tell you something. I found that a high-powered magnet and the silverware is the best toy you could ever have for a kid. I'm telling you. You just take it. You put it on the floor. Hours. Take it off. It sticks back. Take it off. It's a... It has outdone any toy that I've ever had. That was just, that was free, okay? But you think about it. Toys, employment. Oh, you're so happy to have this job. Uh, Two weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago, five years ago, what happened to the joy of landing that job? Familiarity. So I, I just, I thought of the most aggressive and transformative moment of celebration that I could think of in the Bible. And 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I'm going to summarize it because it's long, like the scripture that I read in the beginning, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the, the Ark of the Covenant was being moved. David was king, and so they had this big entourage, and they had all these people, and they were rejoicing and doing the things that they should as they were moving the Ark of the Covenant, this was the, the law that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai, and the, this was the representative, and the, the Spirit of God was, was here, and it was supposed to go in the Holy of Holies, and there was all of these rites and, and laws and things that were supposed to happen. And as they're making it happen, it says that an oxen stumbled. And as it did, this guy named Uzzah put his hand out to, to hold up the ark. And, and that makes sense, right? You think, oh, you don't want the ark to fall. And he died like that. David, King David was angry. He was angry at God, but then fear struck everybody. And so then they took the ark and they, they moved it to, to the city. I want to say it right, Obed-Edom. And they moved it there. And David was just so angry about this whole thing. He was such a good man. God, why would you kill him? Well, what happened? I believe that they started to become too familiar. They started to become too familiar with the presence of God. They didn't go and and look at what God had told them and how they were supposed to treat 
the presence of God and the Ark of the Covenant, all of these things. And so what happens is all of a sudden they find for the next three months at Obed-Edom, this city begins to be blessed by God like they had never seen before. The outpouring of God's spirit and blessing came upon this city like nothing they'd seen. And word started getting to David. And all of a sudden David's like, well, shoot, I want that blessing. And I can promise you that it wasn't as simple as let's go get this ark. They wanted to put familiarity to the side and treat the presence of God like it was supposed to be treated. And we began to see that it says each, every time there were six steps, they offered another sacrifice. There was praise. There was shouting. There were all these things happening. And in verse 13, um, I'm going to scroll down a little bit more. Verse 16, as the ark of the Lord came to the city, David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. There are going to be haters. In the way that you worship, the way that maybe you rejoice. But listen how David responds. It's so interesting. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And he said, I will celebrate before the Lord. Verse 22, I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. And I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken by them, I shall be held in honor. This is the ESV, and this is what the NIV says about this. I love this. It says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. Number two, what I celebrate reveals what I deem important. What I celebrate, what you celebrate, is what is important to us. I want you to join me this year in rejoicing over the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, being revealed to us in humanity as baby Jesus. Will you join with me? Will you search your heart and not allow yourself to get too familiar? Will you allow yourself, will you think of, of what's going on and go, you know what, I, I know that I do this year after year, but I do not want to take the presence of God, I do not want to take the power of this message and become so familiar with it, I lose it. I want to invite the worship team up here. I ask them to lead us in a song that they already led us in with Hark the Herald Angels saying, it is a song of, of glorifying. It is a song of rejoicing. And I want us to do this together. Now, I, I'm going to be very clear. You can still internally 
rejoice. Can I hear an amen? No, you won't even say amen, those of you, right? You, I'm not expecting anything, okay? This isn't a practice of, of doing something. The, the point today is for us to prepare our hearts to not be as familiar. And I'm going to end with this um, final story here. It was in the 1960s, Mary Ellen Rothrock. She was a grad student in uh, English literature at the University of Wisconsin. In 1998, she wrote um, in the Christian Reader magazine, she said, despair seemed to permeate the student body, especially those in the humanities. A fellow graduate student summed it up cynically, playwright Samuel Beckett is right. Man is just a piece of trash in a universe that's running down. In college, atheism became my religion. Yet when I got into grad school, I found myself seeking to fill a spiritual void in my life. I started to, to practice transcendental meditation. I'm just going to call it TM. I met periodically with, TM super, with a TM supervisor. After a year or so of meditating, I mentioned that I had recurring thought when I was trying to concentrate on my mantra. It's lying from Handel's Messiah. Something in my mind kept repeating. And there, the verse that kept coming to her was, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. She said, to my young mind, not only was this music thrilling, but the words seemed to come out from beyond this world. I loved the joyful language, the hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. For unto us a child is born, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the flesh shall see it together. Her TM supervisor told her to ignore the words that kept coming to her, but she said to herself, these aren't just random thoughts. It suddenly hit me, and the, the phrase, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, was an invitation from a personal God. Why couldn't he be wonderful? Why wouldn't he be counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, she asked herself. Within months, she met a woman who explained how she could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. She said, as I heard the words from the Bible, the words from the musical score made sense. The Holy Spirit convinced me of the truth. The God I'd hungered for, the personal God who loved me, hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. The revelation of God coming to earth as a baby, revealing himself to us to have a personal relationship with us. This is a message that we should rejoice over. Amen? You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.